Church family, my name is Caleb, and uh, I'm going to be uh, uh, leading us today through our study in uh, the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be in chapter 10 today, I think. And so I'd encourage you, if you have a Bible, turn there. If you don't have a Bible, if you're in the room, you guys should have uh, printed out on your way. And did you guys get that print out on the way? Perfect. Uh, and then for those of you joining us online, uh, grab a print Bible. Or if you don't own a Bible, uh, no problem. Uh, just go to Bible.com, and, you, and we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10 today. Uh, for those of you who are joining us in person, in the handout that you got, there should be an index card. Did you guys get the index card? Perfect. Uh, and for those of you online, I'll give you instruction here in a minute. Okay, so last week we spent some time during our worship gathering uh, to pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Uh, today, what I'm going to ask you all to do is to use that index card and to write either a prayer or a note of encouragement uh, specifically for, uh, there's an Easter, excuse me, there's a, a Ukrainian Orthodox church here in town uh, that we've made a connection with. They're actually starting to receive uh, family members, uh, refugees over, um, that, that's kind of happening right now. And so we just wanted to give them an encouragement. We recognize that we're one local church that's part of a citywide church. And so we, we love the big C church, so to speak, and we love encouraging for and praying one another and resourcing each other. And so this is an opportunity for us collectively uh, to support and minister to our, uh, our Ukrainian brothers and sisters that live here in Phoenix. So uh, use that index card, write a prayer or a note. And what we're going to do is this week, we're going to deliver that over uh, this week with just some encouragement to them and just let them know that we're praying for them. Uh, and for those of you that are, oh, by the way, when you're done with the note, uh, in the lobby, uh, there should be kind of next to this, this stone pillar there, there should be a basket for you to be able to drop those in. So we'll collect those and take those over this week. So any encouragement, even if it's just a couple words, I know would mean an awful lot. And then for those of you joining us online, at the top of our online platform is a link that says Next Steps. If you click that, there should be an opportunity for you uh, to just send us a message or send us a note uh, or just email us. And what we'll do this week is we'll transfer transcribe that onto a piece of paper or we'll print it out uh, and we'll take that to them this week when we go. So it's just a way for us to encourage uh, our, uh, the, uh, the broader uh, church uh, family here in Phoenix. So thank you guys for doing that. Again, you can put it in the lobby uh, on your way out uh, today. So the Gospel of Mark chapter 10, we're going to do a uh, shorter section. What we've been doing during this series is we've been doing kind of long uh, sections. The gospel is, is narrative material, so we've been following the story. Uh, but today we're going to zoom in on just this one. It's just a few verses, but it's really profound, at least in my opinion. I like to argue that today. I believe that it actually helps us to shape how we're to view uh, our posture towards others as it relates to living as a disciple of Jesus. So one of the things we've been doing during this series called Disciple is learning from the disciples and from Jesus what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. The reason we use that word disciple is because follower doesn't quite get it, right? You can be a follower of someone on Instagram. Uh, you can be a follower of a celebrity. And, and I, I, I like the language of Jesus follower, but disciple speaks to a relationship with the one that we're following. And also, I, I like the language of student to a teacher. That, that's helpful. But a lot of times we can be a student of someone without ever really meeting them. But a disciple implies a relationship, that being a disciple of Jesus it's kind of like being a follower. It's kind of like being a student, but it implies that there's a relational connection there. So the question is, how do we as disciples of Jesus posture ourselves towards others, especially towards those who are leaning into Jesus, who are, who are maybe curious about Jesus? Maybe they're interested in following Jesus. What should our posture be? And I think this is going to help us today. Uh, are you guys excited? Okay, I'm really excited. I... I uh, 
Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We have been reading uh, the text each week, um, and what I'm going to ask you to do before you read along, if you would just listen to the word as I read it. So we have been connecting ourselves to this ancient practice of hearing uh, the Scripture. So the, the, the majority of Scripture, if not all of Scripture, was artistically designed not primarily to be read, but primarily to be heard. There's some artistry to it that helps us in our hearing. And, and we're going to read it. We're going to go through it, uh, actually line by line today. But before we do that, I would just encourage you just to receive it, to hear it. And then um, maybe if it's helpful, close your eyes. And my encouragement to you would be as you hear the Word of God read, just be attentive to what the Spirit of God is doing, right? Just maybe the Lord is going to bring something to your mind. Maybe a, a word or phrase will stand out. Whatever the Lord is doing, just be attentive to what the Lord is doing uh, as we uh, hear the Word read. So this is the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 13 and on. Now, people were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. After taking them into his arms, he laid his hands on them and blessed them. This is the word of the Lord. You have in this text a beautiful image of Jesus and a frustrating image of his disciples. Beautiful image of Jesus and a frustrating image of his disciples. And here's why it's frustrating. Because we do, by default, what they just did. I'd like to, like to show you. Notice in the text. We'll go through the text together. Notice the scene. What is happening here? So, so real quick, just time out. One of the things that we've noticed as we've studied the Gospel of Mark together, we've been reading through the Gospel of Mark, and since the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, one of the things that you notice is the crowd keeps getting What? Bigger, bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. To, like, to the point to where you get like some of the famous miracles, like the feeding of the 5,000, right? Massive crowds are coming out to Jesus, right? And so you just, we've noticed that crowds upon crowds have been pressing in on Jesus, right? So here it is, it's no different. So it's just, a, it's just, we just get a little nuance or a little something that's, that's something we haven't quite seen before. People were bringing what or whom? Children, not just children, but what? Little children. I want to say, so what, how little is little? Right? So what, what are we talking about here? So are we talking about 12 years old? Pro maybe, but probably not. I want to just give you a, a, a quick tool. When you read uh, your Bible, which I think you should read through the whole Bible later today, you're going to love it. It's great. Um, let me know if you do that, by the way, because I know you're a liar. And uh, so, uh, so, when you read the Bible, one of the things that you, we need to pay attention to is context, right? What, what, what I'm reading is part of a bigger piece, right? There's something, there's something bigger going on. So context, as I sometimes will say, context is king. You want to know what this little verse means or this little line means? You got to look at the context. And I'm afraid, and I'm going to say something that's going to be very, very intentionally offensive. I don't think Hobby Lobby's doing it right, now, I'm not trying to slam Hobby Lobby. I'll do that in my own time. 
So as your pastor, I'm not trying to slam Hobby Lobby, but, but I just want to say what they're doing is probably not helping us read the Bible. And here's what I mean what they're doing. At Hobby Lobby or some of these other places, you guys know what I'm talking about, these little bookstores and whatnot, there, there's like a, there's like a, a token, an item, uh, a, a little piece of wood, and then there's like a verse on it, right? Or maybe a bumper sticker, or maybe like a little clicker for your, right? So like, oh, you've got a clicker for your screen on your, on your stage, but do you have a clicker with a verse on it? No, come and buy our clicker with a verse, right? So we take these verses and we put them on things, and here's the, here's the, uh, here's the thing, when we do that, we rip them out of their context. And so it may, it may be cool, right? It may be good. I've got the verse printed on the thing, and it just reminds me of the whole text. Great, love that. But I just want to caution us that we are not primarily to be engaging in Scripture in little snippets at a time. You guys with me? Right? We, we're to engage in Scripture as the whole piece. These the Scripture, so the Gospel of Mark Hold on now. The Gospel of Mark was artistically designed to be read as a whole in one sitting. Not little five, like five words at a time, okay? So it's okay if you do the five words. Maybe you've got a tattoo and you're covering it up right now. You're like, I don't want him to see the verse. I'm, it's okay as long as it's reminding you in context, okay? Okay, okay, great. All right, so people were bringing what? Little ch- now we're going to ask ourselves, how little? And what tool did we just learn? Context is king. Did you guys hear when the text was read what Jesus did to these kids? He blessed them, but he did something else. Did you catch it? Look at your last verse. I think it's your last verse, 16, I think. What does he do? Okay, he takes multiple of these little ones, what? Into his arms. The context is telling us that these are little enough for Jesus to pick multiples of them up into his arms, okay? Okay. So how little? Little enough for Jesus to pick up a few of them, okay? Okay, the other thing too is, notice the children are not coming on their own. They're being brought. So it, I mean, it could be. You guys got me? Okay, I got a two-year-old. I got a five-year-old. We do this, right? You guys familiar with this, right? What, what do they call that? Horsey ride? Yeah, okay. So when my 12-year-old says, Dad, can I get a horsey ride? Dad says, no, because you're not a little child anymore, right? People were bringing little children to him in order that he might do what? He might, he might touch them. He might bless them. Also through the Gospel of Mark, notice that there are multiple occasions where Jesus' touch involves the bestowal of a blessing or a life. In fact, just a, a couple chapters earlier, we saw Jesus touch a dead 12-year-old girl, and she came back to life, right? In Jesus' touch is blessing. So they're bringing, they're, they're bringing their little kids out, right? They're bringing their kids out in order that he might touch them, and the implication is a blessing, which you'll see again in chapter, uh, verse 16, I think. And what, okay, so, <clears throat> hi. Let's imagine you are a disciple of Jesus, and all these crowds have been coming in, and Jesus keeps bringing in the wrong kind of people. He keeps letting in tax collectors and prostitutes and people that you don't like and people of the other political party that you don't like and people who are, you know, opposite of you on your ideology. Jesus keeps bringing these people in. If you're a follower of Jesus, wouldn't that get old after a while? Wouldn't you be like, let's get some people like me up in this house? Hmm? The reason I'm, I'm leaning into this is just notice what the disciples do. They do what we do. 
What do the disciples do? So people are bringing their little children to Jesus, and what do the disciples do? The disciples rebuked them. Children? These disciples are rebuking people bringing children to Jesus? Come now. Now, here's what maybe we don't know that they did know. Remember that every time we read the Bible, we are time-traveling tourists. Not only are we going back to an ancient culture, but we're also going into a different part of the world. We are time-traveling tourists. And one of the things that we need to recognize about this, the reality of the disciples' world, is that children, different than, I don't, different than this particular context, I think, uh, children were generally viewed, especially literal children, were generally viewed as marginalized, somebody else's problem, uh, 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 unproductive eaters. They don't produce anything for the general system. They don't produce anything for society. Now, certainly the parents likely loved their children. Certainly that they, they wanted more children. But by and large, especially other people's kids, y'all with me? Y'all know other people's kids? They always causing problems. And they're always influencing my kids who would never do anything wrong. Must be other people's kids, right? Maybe we do think about other people's kids the same way. Anyways, right? They're generally an annoyance. They're, they're to be relegated to the margins. They're to be maybe seen, but definitely not heard. Right? Other people's kids. It's not it's, we, like we don't know their name. We don't want to spend any time with you. They were generally a marginalized group of people that nobody wanted to be with or hang out with. They, were, they didn't have anything to contribute to society. Maybe when they're older, they would. But little children especially were not... Not, not welcome here, right? So is it normal that the disciples, at least in their cultural context, is it normal that the disciples rebuke them for trying to waste Jesus' time? It's totally normal. Totally normal. There was a, did you guys ever watch the show The West Wing? Yeah, so I, love, I, I, I watched the show The West Wing. Um, that's how I learned what legislation is and the executive branch and all that stuff. And... Uh, and in the show, The West Wing, it's a, it's a, it's a story of a fictional um, uh, uh, presidency. Uh, and one of the things that there's this character who kind of runs the front desk of the president, runs the president's calendar. And, and she's kind of notorious for being like, right, like stern with that calendar. In fact, if you wanted to get on the president's calendar in this TV show, odds are you're just never going to, that's just never going to happen. Maybe you see him in the hallway, whatever. Maybe you could put eyes on him, but they're not going to sit and talk with you. Uh, if you wanted to get to the president, you had to go through the front desk. You guys checking with me so far? You had to go to the front desk, the, the, this woman at the front desk, she would vet you right? You would be vet, like, who are you? What do you want to say? How much time do you need? What do you have to offer? Do you have any power? Do you have any influence? Is seeing you going to impact votes? Whatever it is. And based on your power and influence, by and large, or the reason for being there is power and influence, based on that, you might get an audience with the president, okay? So this is the West Wing. And of course, this is fictional, so every now and again, somebody would be let in. But let me just ask you this question. In the kingdoms of this world, in the kingdoms of this world, who gets into the palace? The elite? The powerful? Military generals? The wealthy? Right? Those who are on top. Who, generally speaking, does not get into the palace? The marginalized, the poor, those who are considered to be not contributing, right? Not contributing members, the outsiders. Here's another group of people that aren't going to be let into the palace. Anyone whose presence in the palace might defile or defame the king. 
right? We can't have you in here because if we let too many of you kind of folk in here, people might think less of me, huh? Is this real? Is that, am I barking up the wrong tree? Is this how the world works? This is the kingdoms of this world. Yep. Cool? Great. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them, but the disciples operated according to the kingdoms of this world. So the disciples, so one of the things we need to notice is this, that the disciples continually heard Jesus talk about the kingdom. He, they heard Jesus say, back in the Gospel of Mark chapter uh, 1, that to repent and believe the gospel, Jesus' message was this, that all of us have sinned and gone our own way. We're chasing our own path. And Jesus says, repent, which just means this, have a change of mind and direction to turn, turn from your sin, turn from yourself, repent and believe the gospel, to turn towards God. Now, here was the good news that Jesus proclaimed. He said, repent, turn, because there's good news. What's the good news? Not say a prayer so you go to heaven when you die. Jesus says that the good news is that the kingdom of God is here. And he seemed to be implying throughout the Gospel of Mark, you should go home and read the whole thing today. You're going to see it too. That the kingdom of God was centered like around him. It was like an orb that seemed to follow him around everywhere he went. He would say things like, you are near the kingdom of God. It seemed to be that Jesus understood that he was the, the, the king who was retaking his territory as the kingdom of God was being ushered. That was Jesus' message. But what the disciples continually heard was kingdom of God, kingdom of God, and what they thought, hold, hang on with me, they heard Jesus talk about the kingdom of God, but they viewed it through the lens of the kingdoms of this world. And I'll prove it to you. In chapter 8, 9, and 10, there's three times that Jesus predicts his death, burial, and resurrection. And on all three occasions, one of the follow-up questions or associated questions that the disciples have for Jesus is this question. Do we get to be in charge? Can I sit at your right hand and my brother sit at your left hand? Do we get the keys to the kingdom, Jesus? When are you going to establish the throne so we can be in charge? They saw the kingdom of God through the lens of, right, through the lens of the kingdoms of this world. They saw children through the lens of the kingdoms of this world. Hmm? And if the kingdom of God operates like the kingdoms of this world, you don't let little kids bother the king. Hello? Is that how the kingdoms of this world work? Now, notice what Jesus does next. I want you to put yourself in this position because if you're a follower of Jesus, I know you've been here before too. There's been people in your world who you've thought, not allowed. Uh, do you want me to prove it to you? Everyone's like, no. <laughs> yeah. I want you just to, for a moment to imagine a group of people that you dislike or hate even, if we could use that word. Who are your enemies? And if they became the majority of this congregation, would you leave? You know, not allowed, right? As long, maybe we'll let one in, but if there's, there's 30 of you, 400 of you, I'm out. I can't be associated with them. It's, do you think the disciples are very different than us, or are they very same like us? We, we do this. We, <laughs> oh, church family, I love you, but I'm going to say it. Do you think that by and large, church families like ours in the broader culture are viewed as inclusive or exclusive? Okay. Exclusion. Here we go. 
When Jesus saw it, he was TV timeout. Do you know when you go to parties and everyone's having a good time, the drinks are flowing, the music's blasting, you're having a great time. And then someone says, hey, everyone, it's time for Bible trivia. And you say, you turn to someone that you came with and you say, now the party is about to start. Okay, right? Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to give you a heads up on uh, a question number 73 in Bible trivia, okay? You guys don't do this? <laughs> How many times in the Bible is Jesus referred to as feeling indignant? Or maybe indignant's not doing it for us. Uh, full of a raging fury of anger. For this word, only once. We get indignant translated a couple times, but this word in the original Greek, it's only one time referred to as for Jesus. Raging fury of anger. <clears throat> Notice, what did the disciples do? They misunderstood the kingdom of God for operating according to the principles of the kingdoms of this world in a way that excluded the marginalized, right? Now, Jesus, don't you think Jesus would have been better off just being like, you knuckleheads? You're always missing the mark. Well, I guess I'll have to clean this up later at, you know, recap night. What does Jesus do? What, what did the disciples do? They thought they were doing Jesus a favor by not letting in those people. And what was Jesus' response? He was not only mad, he was very expressive in a furious anger. I just want to notice that. I want to notice Jesus' response. Now, Jesus says to them, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. Now, why? Jesus doesn't say, because I love them so much. Of course he does. He doesn't say, because you guys are idiots, which of course they were exhibiting that type of behavior. What does he say? Notice, he's actually going to, okay, I want you to zoom in on Jesus here. He doesn't just say that's discourteous. He doesn't just say this is unloving. Notice what he says. What? Time out. What was the good news that Jesus kept proclaiming? The kingdom of God is here. Turn from your sin and receive the kingdom. Hmm? Receive the kingdom. Now, in my mind, in the mind of a disciple... If I'm thinking, hold on, if I'm thinking, well, if I'm a good person, if I'm an upstanding citizen, if I'm in the right group, then I get to belong to the kingdom of God. Is that how the kingdom of God works? It, are the disciples behaving as if it is? But Jesus is going to correct and confront their misunderstanding of how the kingdom of God, right? In their mind, you got to be somebody to get into the kingdom of God. And what does Jesus do? Jesus pushes it using these children as an example. Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. Why? Because the kingdom of God, what? Belongs to such as these. What? Notice the such as these. It's not just little children. It's, it's the ones who don't belong. Don't exclude because it's the excluded to whom the kingdom belongs. Do you see it? 
I, I, I like, I, I, okay, so let's just kind of do this. Um, by and large, our tendency can be to put up fences around Jesus, right? Or to, mm, or to put up fences around a Jesus community for the sake of our comfort, for the sake of our not wanting to be challenged, for the sake of our not having to live sacrificially and generously, we put fences up and say, you gotta behave like us before you get to belong to us. This is the natural tendency you see it in the disciples, you see it in the book of Acts, you'll see it throughout the scripture. And Jesus obliterates the fence, doesn't he? Right? Jesus does not, let me just, okay, for, if you're a Jesus follower, if you're not a Jesus follower, you're still trying to figure this out. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you're getting to eavesdrop on this conversation because I think you know this. But for those of us that are Jesus followers, I need you to hear me on this. Jesus does not need bodyguards. He is not looking for lawyers. He is looking for disciples to follow him in wisdom, love, grace, and truth which will often put us as a Jesus follower in proximity with people who are nothing like us, and that's just the way he likes it. Probably not so that you can bless them, but so they can bless you. One of the things we say at Desert Springs frequently is that wherever you've been, wherever you're going, you're welcome here. What gives us the capacity to say that? It's this text, and many like it. The other thing that we'll say is that we are just a bunch of misfits, with nothing in common except for the love and grace of God made known to us through Jesus Christ. Why do we keep saying that? Because Jesus keeps showing it to us that that's how he wants us to live as his disciples. And let me tell you something. When I'm in community with you and you're different than me, I don't like that. Do you? Now you say, well, of course, Caleb, you don't like country music and you like the cowboys and we all have a good laugh about that. Yeah, sure, but what about when your politics are different than mine? What about your stances on things that I really care about deep in here? What happens when they're different than mine? Well, I don't want to do that, <laughs> right? I want a nice fence. I want a nice big fence that says you've got to believe politically, you've got to believe ideologically, you have to behave like me, my goodness. You have to culturally exist like me, you have to ethnically exist like me, you have to socioeconomically exist like me, I just need my fence. Is that not the default structure of the human heart? Because I'm better than everybody, so I just need people who are just like me. But Jesus continues to obliterate the fence. Notice, when Jesus saw it, he was, and said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, because the kingdom of God, what? Okay, belongs to such of these. And now we're going to get to it. The disciples were operating, believing themselves to be in. Hmm? Seeing the kingdom of God, through the lens of the kingdoms of this world, operating as if the value systems of the kingdom of God are the same as the kingdoms of this world. And Jesus gets at them, doesn't he? Like, y'all keep talking about him flipping over tables like that's a big deal. Look, he's yelling at them in front of the children. <laughs> he's yelling at his disciples, screaming at them, my kingdom is not of this world. Truly I tell you, he, he pushes it. Truly I tell you, 
Whoever does not receive, time out, remember that Jesus in the Gospel of Mark chapter 1 came proclaiming the good news of what? The kingdom of God. He said, repent, turn your mind and your heart, turn towards me, like repent and believe in the gospel. Here's what the gospel is, that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. It's the good news of the kingdom. How then should I receive the kingdom? Well, Jesus, thank you for the invitation. Of course, you have extended me an offer to be a part of your kingdom because I am a big deal. What's that called? Pride, hubris, arrogance, thinking of myself more highly than I ought to think. Rather, whoever does not, notice, whoever does not receive, right? Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like what? I need you to zoom in on this for me. What's the image you have in your mind? Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And then he gives us, again, context. Okay, come on, come on. How, okay, in, I want to be careful here, in a good circumstance, okay, can we be there? In, in a healthy family, okay, how does a child receive their familial status? To put it in another way, how does the child, in a good family, how does the child receive the love of the mother or father? They have, they have nothing to give, right? They're completely, and that child would be, if I, so I've had four, I have four kids, right? If, if when they were babies, if, if, if Lori and I didn't dress them, they'd be naked. If we didn't house them, they'd be out exposed to the elements. If we didn't feed them, they would be dead. How does a child receive? Right? The child is completely and utterly helpless. The child, the little child, has absolutely nothing to give. Only to receive. Are you guys hanging with me? Only to receive. How then, Jesus, do we receive the kingdom of God? As a little child. And if you don't receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you will never enter it because what you think you're receiving is not the kingdom of God. If you think, I get in with God because I'm a big deal and I'm all put together and I'm righteous and I'm awesome then what you, are, what you think you're receiving is not the kingdom of God. It's just another kingdom of this world that values people based on what they can produce, what they can do, how much they are like me. But Jesus says, that's not my kingdom. Let the little children, let everybody come to me. Okay? So, so how do I, as a Jesus follower, get the power to do this? I first have to remember, as the old hymn says, Rock of Ages, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked I need thee for dress. I need to be dressed, otherwise I'm naked. And in you I find my grace, right? Nothing in my hands I bring. But simply to the cross I cling. No, no, oh, this is so good. Okay. Watch Jesus. He's going to illustrate for you what it looks like to receive the kingdom of God. Okay? Watch him. After what? How does a child receive the kingdom? They get scooped up by Jesus. They don't march in. They get scooped up by Jesus. And he laid hands on them, and he blessed them. 
Friends, have you been scooped up by Jesus? Has he scooped you up? If the very foundation of your faith and relationship with your God is the fact that he scooped you up, how dare, like how could we possibly put up a fence? All we had to bring was that he scooped us up, which was nothing. So if Jesus chooses to scoop someone else up, let's welcome him into the family instead of putting up a fence. This, this dynamic of the kingdom of God, right? So, so Mary Healy, who's a brilliant theologian and scholar, she says this, to receive the kingdom, notice this, to receive the kingdom is as simple, trusting and humble in action as receiving the embrace of Jesus. To enter the kingdom is nothing more than to enter into a relationship with Jesus. To receive the kingdom is to receive the embrace of Jesus. That is the kingdom. One of the reasons why we really, really wanted to do this uh, chosen campaign with World Vision was because it, it truly does put this into practice. Um, we see the kingdom dynamic all over this uh, experience. So, so the, the, the chosen program, for those of you that maybe weren't able to be with us last week, it's, it's a way for us to do... Uh, to share our resources, for we have been given much and much is expected, as we talked about last week, to share our resources gener generously with others who are in this current position right now uh, lacking some of those foundational resources like clean water, food, education, infrastructure. And it's a way for us to share, right? So I, I, don't, I, I refuse to use the word charity because it generally elevates me. But we're going to share with our brothers and sisters in equity, Right? Recognizing that I'm not up and they're down, but rather we're equal. And these are, who, are, who are these resources but the Lord's anyways? And so it's a way for us to share. But here's the beautiful thing about the Chosen program. In the Chosen program, the, uh, the power to choose is given to the child. The power to make a decision is given to the child, which is a kingdom value. Just notice what Jesus said, that the kingdom belongs to such as these. And so it's one way for us, and we're partnered, uh, we're a part of five churches in North Phoenix that have uh, partnered together to uh, kind of take on this project with uh, children and families in Shishigo, uh, Ethiopia. And just to kind of catch us up to speed, I wanted to show you a quick video and then uh, show you some pictures from the party from this week, actually. So take a look at this video. You allowed love and light to invade the darkness and heaven came to earth. Sponsorship is such a beautiful program, but it has always been in the hands of the sponsor. The decision and the choice has always been in the sponsor choosing the child and said, no, we're going to put the choice into the hands of a child. This is what the gospel looks like. You put the motion of choice into the hands of a child. You lived out the power of the gospel of God as you put the empowerment and the choice into the hands of a child. I can never forget those beautiful eyes going over right and left, looking for people they wanted as their friend. 
chosen is truly amazing ministry. Coming not as the one who's going to save them, but as the one who's going to learn from them and to serve them. And my prayer is that your heart is stirred by God today to step into a relationship with a child. And that relationship changes everything. So in this partnership with World Vision, uh, we're partnered again, like I said, with uh, five churches here in North Phoenix with a community called Shishigo, Ethiopia. And um, I believe uh, as, of, uh, earlier, as of earlier this week, there was 87 from Desert Springs uh, and then oh, oh, close to 300 from the five churches collectively. Uh, and those are families that are going to get like, I just want you to think about this, right? They're going to get fresh water, clean water for the rest of their lives. They're going to get food. Going to get education. There's going to be infrastructure in Shishigo because of your generosity and the generosity of the other churches here in North Phoenix. It's a way for us to put into practice this reality that when we turn to Jesus, all of us are equal and He scoops all of us up. And so, what can we do but to live generously and with grace and love? Uh, for those of you uh, who signed up in the room, I'm going to give you guys just some quick instructions, and then uh, we're going to go and, and discover who chose us. But if you signed up in the room last week, uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to dismiss, and you'll head out to the lobby, and they're uh, hanging up on the left side there. You'll find your name, uh, and you'll have a picture of the, the child who chose you and their name as well. And then there'll be another card with instructions on how to log in. Uh, they all wrote uh, cards. In fact, I wanted to show you pictures uh, from uh, the thing. Sorry, I got ahead of myself with the instructions. Pause. Check out these pictures. Okay, let's put them up on the screen. So uh, this is uh, the event in uh, Shishigo. You can see that the children, is kind of a waiting area for the kids as they're waiting to uh, make their choice to choose. We can see the next one here. Um, this is what the room looks like. So those are pictures. That's us, North Phoenix. Uh, and so... The kids come in. I think we take a look at the next one. The kids come in, and one by one, they have a time and opportunity to make their choice. And I want you just to remember that for many of these children, they don't even get to decide what to eat or where to stay. So the power of choice is a powerful one. And so they make their choice. And once they choose uh, the, 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 the picture, uh, then there is, they took pictures of them, which are the pictures you're going to get today. And then they actually wrote a letter talking about uh, to you, why they chose you and what their uh, prayers and hopes are. And so uh, in your packet today, if you're in the room, you'll pick up your packet. Your picture will be in there, as well as a card to log in on World Vision's website to take a look at the, a digital copy of that letter. Uh, for those of you who are joining us online, you should have received in the email address that you signed up with, you should have received uh, information on next steps on how to get your picture and uh, your a copy of the letter that was written to you. And, and please know that this is not just an investment for this month, but this is truly an investment and a partnership uh, that will go on for years. And your investment will dramatically impact uh, this community in Shishigo. Now, I know that for some of us, we're asking, hey, I wasn't here last week. I didn't get a chance last week. Is there still an opportunity for me to sign up and get on board with this project? Yes, there is. Still time. So we have 
until seven o'clock tonight. So here's how this is working. We're partnered with World Vision. They've got it all set up over there in Shishigo, but they, they have to move on to the next phase of a project. So you've got till seven o'clock tonight. They will do uh, the process for you. They're going to give you just some specific instructions because it's going to work just slightly differently. But we'll, uh, you can text DSBC online to this number uh, and you can do that right now. And then they'll, they will send you instructions and that will allow you to get on board with this project that we're doing with five churches uh, there in Shishigo, you're always uh, able to sign up with World Vision uh, after this uh, opportunity. We'd encourage you guys to do that. I know many of you uh, have sponsored at World Vision for years. Um, but if you want to get on board with this project, you got to do it before 7 tonight. If you, wanna, uh, if you go tomorrow or whatever, there'll be other projects that we'd highly encourage you uh, to take uh, advantage of. So again, you could text DSBC online to that number. That goes for those of you online as well as those of you all in the room. For the kingdom of, of God belongs to such as these. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we know that we come before you with nothing to give. That you are our king, you are our Lord God, that you are our good and loving father. And we just, we receive that as a child receives. So, Lord, we ask by the power of your Spirit that you would continue to mold us and shape us more and more into your image, that we as a church family would not be about being bodyguards or putting up fences, but rather, Jesus, like you, we would, we would say, let everybody come and meet Jesus and be a part of a Jesus community. Lord, we want that, but we also know it's very difficult, and so we entrust ourselves to you knowing that you are good and loving and powerful to produce within us the fruit of your spirit. And so we rely on you to guide us, to direct us, to empower us moment by moment. Jesus, we ask these things knowing that you love us and you're powerful to bring them about and so we entrust ourselves to you. It's in your name we pray, amen. 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 All right, hit up the lobby. We'll see you guys next week.